We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And as you can tell, and I'll, I'll, I'll just throw it out there, there are very few good things that come from your daughter throwing up uh, in the middle of the night. But one of them is I get to do this from home. Yeah, get to uh, do the green is- background. And yeah. I get to have my uh, IB uh, merch That's on, right. which is always a good thing. So... Uh, Which makes up you see it's funny you know we used to not be able to do shows when on days were like snow days because you had one mic and it was at school now you got two mics but now your one flag is at school i know i know right i I know i know you're becoming very expensive vince you're becoming a very expensive employee (laughs) i gotta have you furnished for like two different studios two different sites killing me <laughs> but you're worked it. I know, man. right? You worked it. Hey, yeah, that's what I like to hear. But uh so today, Brian, we are going to continue mm-hmm. our position preview. Yeah. Spring practice we know starts tomorrow. It's a big one. So we're, we yeah. are on the clock. It is spring practice eve and uh I'm excited about it frankly. But uh yeah. one of the positions that I'm really excited to see because there are a lot of question marks is mm-hmm. the cornerback position. And there are mm-hmm. a ton of question marks at corner. I mean, this is a big yeah. year for corner. There is no question about that. Yeah. Look, it, it, it is. I mean, we've seen cornerback play at Notre Dame has been really up and down for years. I mean, for there's been years where they've had great corner tandems and years where the corner play was like okay, and then years where the corner play was bad. You know, I mean it was wasn't that long ago. You know, last night we had Troy Pride on the show. Wasn't that long ago, 2018, that Notre Dame had one of the four or five best corner tandems in the entire country, you know, in all of college football. Right. You know, 2019 it was okay because Troy was good, but the other side wasn't great. 2020 it was okay last year it was okay you know 2015 it was excellent when you had Cole Luke and you had Kavari Russell right it, it there's been some years where it's been really good and then years where it just hasn't been good and and Notre Dame's got to get better there I mean Brian Smith has talked about this a lot you know you look at the teams winning titles and they usually tend to have you know pretty good corners even if they don't have great yeah. defenses they have pretty good corners and you know, you look at the, the Clemson team that beat Notre Dame in 2018. Yes, Notre Dame had one of the five best corner tams in the country, but so did Clemson with Trayvon Mullen and A.J. Terrell. So 
Notre Dame's got to get better there. It, it's a recruiting thing. It's a development thing. It's all of those right. things. Uh, but what we can say is, is the corner play has to get better because what we saw last year was Notre Dame's cornerback position group is good enough to where most teams can't beat them, right? I mean, so it's not like they're terrible, they're bad, they're awful. Clarence Lewis is better than who he's going up against eight games a year, right? In for, for the most part, right? Absolutely. And you know, Cam Hart's inexperience didn't hurt him last year against you know eight opponents, right? Maybe more. But again, the standard for which we evaluate success and is this group good is can they go do it against the best teams on the schedule? Right. And at times last year, the entire cornerback depth chart struggled. At other times, like North Carolina was an example. I thought the corners just did not play. It's probably as a unit their worst game of the year. Cam had some mistakes. Clarence had some mistakes. Tariq Bracey had mistakes. You saw Ramon Henderson get beat. He was still a corner at the time. He got beat on that double move, remember? And they threw like a oh, pump yeah. fake and threw it over I his head. I remember. Yeah. And it was just a, a bad group. And then you had games like Wisconsin where Cam played really good and Tariq had a solid game, but Clarence struggled. And then Cincinnati, Clarence had a, a rough game. And then also Cam had some a couple issues at times. And then, of course, the Oklahoma State game, uh, Tariq and Clarence both had rough, rough performances. So – the reality is, is the group has to get better. The good news is, is everybody comes back. They didn't lose anybody from the cornerback room from last year. So you at least know, like you have some, you, you know what the baseline is, right? Like we know the baseline is corners are good enough to go 11 and two, right? And, you know, but now it's, can you, is it going to be, is that 11 and two going to be to the two best teams that you right. play? Right. You know, and, and that's the question because you're not going to beat Clemson. You're not going to beat Ohio State if your cornerback room doesn't get better. And it has to be everybody. It can't just be Cam Hart emerges as a star and then the other side doesn't because what we'll see is we'll see what happened in, in you know in 2019 at times and in past years, last year even, where after a while teams are like, okay, number five is pretty good. We're just not going to – now after the Wisconsin game, there went a week, a few weeks where the teams are just like, I'm going to throw with that guy. Mm-hmm. you know. But th- they didn't have to. Like if, if You can avoid one guy if the other guys aren't playing. What, what made that 2018 team so good is if you wanted to avoid Julian Love, it meant you had to throw on trip right. If you wanted to avoid Troy Pride, it meant you had to throw on Julian Love, right? And that's why the the times when Julian Love or Troy Pride went down, Troy Pride was out for the pit game. If you remember, Pitt picked on Dante Vaughn. And then, of course, Julian Love goes down against Clemson, and they picked on Dante right. Vaughn. So the depth has got to get there, too. And Dante was banged up that year. You know, Obviously, he's he's been in the NFL for a couple of years. I mean, he's, he was a better player than he was that year. And he was better in 2019 than he was in 2018 because he was healthier. You know, right. he was playing injured in 2018. So the depth has got to get better, too. You've got, you've got, you can't just be like, yeah, I got a couple really good players. You've got to, you've got to establish a depth. And that's what Mike Mickens is, is responsible for and what he's got to build up. So it, it is a, it is a big, big off season for these, yeah. this group. And look, if it's going to get better, you should start to see it this spring. And something I'm also excited about Vince is this should be a spring where by the end of the spring, we start to see the receivers start giving the, the DBs a bigger test. Cause that's something I'm very curious about. How much did the lack of technical play from the receivers impact the corners when they went to play teams that were technically well-schooled? North Carolina's receivers know how to run routes in that air raid offense, right? I mean, Drake London was a good route runner for USC. You know, Oklahoma State's guys were good route runners. Like, when they've played really fundamentally sound receivers, they, they've tended to have some problems. That's interesting. There were time, but but there was also times they played well. You know, like they shut Purdue's. You know, they shut David Bell yeah. down for the most yeah. part, and 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 a lot of that. You know, so that, that so it's not like they were bad all the time. But you know, we've talked about this with the line play, right? Like Harry Heastan's lines made you better. 
Well, the complaint we've had about the receivers is they don't know how to get off the line. And so what is one of the areas that Cam Hart, or excuse me, Clarence Lewis tends to struggle? He tends to struggle when he's got to open up and run, and, and he he often loses guys there. Well, he he's not getting challenged like that in sure. practice. It's we a one day. Him. It's a one day a week, or one even one right. day every three weeks potentially, where right. he's going to have to deal with that, as opposed to an every practice situation. Right. So that's, that's the point. question that I have. So if yeah. if Chancey Stuckey is the coach we hope and think he's going to be, and what the early returns say he is, that is going to improve the cornerback play. Or they're just, I mean, let me say, it's going to improve it or it's going to force them to make decisions because you can't exploit the weaknesses if you aren't coached better and if you don't have, you know, better players making, doing the things they need to do. You're going to have Lorenzo Styles in year two. Deion Colsey is going to be in year two. You're going to have Braden Lindsay this spring. You're going to have, you know, your running backs are going to be doing some slot stuff. You're going to have number two tight ends. You're going to have Lorenzo Styles, obviously, is going to be a big part of this. So, you're going to have Jaden Thomas. You're going to have some good receivers talent-wise, but then yeah. if those guys start playing with better technique towards the end of spring, if you're not playing with good technique, you're going to get more exposed now than you would have before. And I think that's something I'm very curious to see. And here's the other part is in past years, the corners have had to kind of go up against Giants, right? Like Troy Pride and Julian Levitt to go up against Giants. And at times when they'd play maybe some of the smaller, shiftier receivers, they, you know, they'd have a couple more mistakes. Well, now you've got a more of a blend at the receiving core. Yeah. And, and in fact, you don't have as many of the big receivers. And I think that should help them a little bit too, because those guys tend to be more route running oriented. You know, Braden Lindsay, you know, we, we've heard about, we had in our offensive Intel piece about how he's really improved his game, not just being fast, but he, he's, he's learning how to play receiver now, finally, after five flipping years or after four flipping years, <laughs> you know, Lorenzo styles came in as a pretty advanced guy, but he's taken his game to another level. Deion Coles, he's learning how to do some of those things. Those are some talented dudes that are going to challenge the corners, yeah. and I think that's going to help them. It, it, it's always better to get pushed by guys that are on your level or even Absolutely. better. Absolutely, yes, yes. That's so only going to make them better. Gonna impact yeah. them. I'm yeah. very curious I, how that's going to impact them. So those I, I, are I all the, the storylines yeah. for this group, fans. I'm sorry. Go ahead, bud. No, and I was just going to say I had never thought about that aspect of the corner play and the how they weren't getting pushed in practice. Like that never. I mean, well, challenge. They're getting pushed. Let's just say challenge because I think pushed is more like like Mike Mickens isn't pushing them, right? Right. And I think right. they are challenge. Well, yeah, that yes, better, from an offensive better. standpoint, yeah. like from from the wide. Yeah. I, I hadn't really put that together. I mean, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, but right. I because we talk about know, it with the Lions yeah. all the time. Absolutely. We, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think right. that makes perfect sense. And that's going to be. You're right. I think the I think the offense and and if anybody hasn't read your offensive intel from last week, either. I mean, come on now. But well, we, now we it, did it's all right there talking about the receivers in, and how, right. yeah. And just so you know, too, we did include links to the two Intel pieces, offense, defense, and right. our, my, the Carnell Tate piece that the whole staff put together last night. Uh, we, we, all of those are linked on the front page. There's a story in the front page with links to all those Intel pieces, but you have to be a member of the message board to, to, right. to read those. But the other two is you can do more good on good during the regular season with receivers and DBs than you can linemen. Absolutely. Because you do one-on-ones almost every day. You can do seven-on-sevens against each other every day. And so that is another thing is you you will see skill players challenge each other more in practice during the season than maybe you see from, from a line standpoint. So right. that's another advantage to where if the receivers are better, it'll improve the DBs. And then vice versa. If the DBs then improve their game, 
it should help the receivers because you're going right. to have a better uh, – you're going to get exposed more, right? When you practice against great players, you get exposed. And Mike Elko said this. He called – what did he call the 2017 offensive line? They're human lie detectors, right? Remember that when he called them that? Do, He's yeah. like, because, you know, <laughs> you, you're you going to get exposed for who you are. You know, there's no lying about – there's no hiding from that group. You know right. what I mean? right. And I don't know. I don't remember if he said about the whole line or if he called if it was just Quentin Nelson that he called that. But it, it's true. It's the same thing here. And so that's the thing I'm excited about. That's the thing that that you know where where Chancey Stuckey's if he is what we think and hope he is, it's not just going to impact that group. It's going to impact more groups. And that's that's why you want to have great coaches across the board, not just four or five really good coaches and four or five right. not good coaches, which is what we've seen so much of in the past. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of coaches, you're just a master of transitions. So let, let, let's talk about – I need to be. I'm the one that came up with the outline. If I can't even transition <laughs> my own outline, I stink at this thing. Oh, but, but it could hey, also be true. Perfect transition, though. So let, let's talk some Mike Mickens here, Brian, yeah. because, look, this is a huge year for Mike. And I – if I'm being honest, I expected to see more guys on the field last year because yes. of Mike Mickens. Okay? Right. And I, the jury's still out for me a little bit. I, I still think Mike is a really, really good coach. But, I again, I wanted to see some of the younger guys get some time mm-hmm. when some other guys were struggling last year. And so I don't know if that's a matter of those guys just weren't ready. Are they not being coached up? What I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, those are questions. So this now becomes a really big spring for not only this group, but for right. Mike as well. And moving forward into the fall and into the season, I, I just I I need to see the depth. You talked about the depth in the mm-hmm. intro. This is where if he can't develop this depth, then I think those question marks become bigger. Yeah, I think when you look at it, I think Mike Coach Mickens has done some good things in Notre Dame. Sure, and there's some areas where I felt like he'd be doing a little better job right now. If we're if we're being completely honest, right. and, and that's that's the thing you talk about. Like I can I can make some excuses for last year that would be valid. 
mm-hmm. uh, including, hey, listen, um, you know, Ryan Barnes didn't play as a senior and then missed time during the spring because sure. of COVID, and that put him off. You know, Philip Riley, that's the one you can't make excuse for, but Chance Tucker was banged up the whole year. JoJo mm-hmm. Johnson tore his ACL. So there are so many different things that I could say, hey, look, here's the reason why this was a problem. And, and say, like, okay, you know, Cam Hart, your stud corner, you know, he was a guy that you look at and say, hey, look, you know, he he was moving to a new position, right? Right. There's all right. types of things that you can point to and say, hey, look, here's the reasons why. Because he has done some good things too, right? Like, he made Nick McLeod a much better player at Notre Dame than Great. he was at NC State, right? And and he made Cam Hart. I mean, he's helped convert Cam Hart into a from a receiver into a guy that people are saying with a good year could be a – a day two pick in the NFL draft. Right. And so there have been some good things. And I would argue that the fact that he's made Clarence Lewis, a starting caliber player this early in his career is a coaching achievement as well. But yeah, I expected more from last year's group, but there's some things you could point to, you know, like I said, Barnes not having a senior year, then getting hurt and or sick, you know, not, not even getting sick, Mm -hmm. but just testing positive for COVID, you know, Jojo getting hurt chance being banged up all year, you know, uh, and then you say, well, the only guy that really had no excuse not to play more was Philip Riley. And, you know, but then it's, it's, it's one of those things where you say, you know, Hey, look, you, you've got a, you could then say, look, Tariq Bracey getting, helping Tariq Bracey get his confidence back was a positive achievement for Mike. Sure. Last year. We talked about that. Now, a lot right. Yeah. Now the confidence is back. Now it's okay. Can you then take help Tariq right. get to that next level? Those are the questions for coach Mickens. Sure. Now this spring, we're not going to see if, if we're not going to see as much of Cam Hart this spring, which we'll right. get into later. You know, so we're not going to necessarily get to see how much his game has grown because, like a lot of guys, he's just you know they're they're resting him and letting him recover from some off season you know stuff, and and not pushing him too much and and uh, so. But the other the other side is like, look, we need to see Clarence make a big jump. We need to see sure. Tariq now take his game to another level. But to your point, we need to see those young guys really make leaps. And it's not just I mean the players have to be part of it. You know, we've always said the players have to ha- you know. They have to do their job, but it can't always be, well, you know, look, they got to step up and play. No, you got to coach them up and get them ready to play. And Coach Mickens, I think, has proven at different stops that he's been able to get young guys ready. I think that's the big surprise for me is he had Nick Johnson was as a true freshman, an all-conference guy in the MAC at Bowling Green. He got Sauce Gardner, you know, uh, Ahmed Gardner was an All-American, third-team All-American as a true freshman, right? Right. And – ironically from the same high school as Dante Moore, but you know, he was a guy that, that was also a, obviously first team freshman, all American, but like just pure third team, all American, he's about to be a first round pick. You know, coach Mickens recruited him, coached him up as a freshman and he laid a foundation for the success they've had at corner the last two seasons. And we haven't seen him really be able to do that with the young guys in the game yet. Right. And that's something that I want to see. So, yeah. You know, getting it, the most out of the veterans and then mm-hmm. also because it's a two way street, right? It's it's you got to get the veterans as good as possible. Like a lot of people say, no, no, coach those young guys up and help them pass out, pass up the veterans. Clarence Lewis is a true was a true sophomore last year, right? Like nobody when they signed him, nobody was like, yeah, he's going to be starting for a year and a half. At Notre Dame is you know, first year and a half. You know, he was thrust into that role too early because of past recruiting issues. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so. No, your job is twofold. Get the most that you can get out of out of Clarence Lewis and Tariq Bracey and Cam Hart while also building up the young guys to create more competition. That's right. the ultimate goal. It's not, you know, hey, get Ryan Barnes and Philip Riley to pass those guys up. No. You if, if Clarence Lewis starts this year because he those other guys get a lot better and Clarence gets better and just beats them out, okay. Great. 
cool. This isn't a he's doing his job if Clarence Lewis isn't in the starting lineup anymore. Agreed. Uh, it's not necessarily that, but if Clarence Lewis doesn't improve, and that's true, then you have to start saying, you know, why isn't Coach Mickens able to have the success that he had previously? Now, I'll I'll give you a little tidbit. Vince, you and I have talked about this off the air. I was really surprised how often you'd see Brian Kelly going at Mike Mickens in games. And just talking to some different sources, there was some there was something there for some reason that I, I wonder how I feel like there was perhaps a little bit of a toxic environment for Coach Mickens. And I don't know where that came from. I don't know if because he's a former player, Brian Kelly still talked to him like he was Treats a former. Like I don't know player. what it was. Yeah. Because he played for Brian Kelly at Cincinnati. Right. I have to think that that I, I believe there's something there. Like when you're concerned about your job, you're you're not gonna go out and throw a bunch of young guys on the field when, when your sure. head coach keeps coming at you and you're thinking well, like, dude, I'm gonna have a job. A similar year. argument with Dell Alexander, right? When when wasn't it Dell that there was there was you know riffs? There's and, always that you know, concern. Like he didn't want to like, send a young Florida game, right, send a young guy he, out there to make a mistake, and then get Kelly yelled, yelled at another guy. Right, right. Now right. that's a little bit different. Like, but but it's along the same lines. As right. When you're coaching for your job, you can't take the hey, let me just throw this. You know, let me yeah. work on. It's like, look, I got to get these veterans ready because I, you know, I'm I, you know. and that I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I think there's there's it's it's going to be a. Hey, Coach Mickens, just go, just go do your job, man. Like you, right. you know, you're good at this. This is why you know right. if you're Coach Freeman. This is why I kept you. We've known each other a long time. You know, I have your back. Go out there and do what I know you can do. Do what you did at Cincinnati, right? When we worked together. Do what you did at Bowling Green, which is why we brought you over to Cincinnati, right? Is right. is the work you did at Bowling Green, and and I think that's going to have a role too. And 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 I'm just I've been waiting to kind of do this show to kind of talk about that. But I feel like there was a real toxic environment, Brian Kelly, which is funny because he would accuse other coaches of creating toxic environments. Really, of course. he was the one creating the toxic environment. We've talked about the thing, the insults he would throw at Jeff Quinn in front of players. We've talked about that. We've mm-hmm. talked about basically Dell Alexander coached out of fear. Can't have that. Are you, like it's, you have to have that healthy, if I don't do my job, I'm not going to be here anymore. But every coach knows that. Right. But you can't have it to where you're being shown up in front of your players by the head coach the way that Brian Kelly did it. Now, there is a there is a way to correctly do that, and some coaches do that. Like Urban Meyer would do that and before mm-hmm. he became a toxic guy. But like, you know, hey, I need you guys, your guys to play better. You know, coach, come on, man. You gotta, you gotta get your guys aren't making plays today. I need your guys to make more plays. There's a right way to do that. And I, I think Brian Kelly way past that line with some coaches. Yeah. Yeah. And Charlie Weiss was that way with Brian Poling, if you remember. Yeah, you know, and 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 it was it, it's in the points it's undermining it's yes. undermining of that's, that coach. That's exactly right. Yeah, and right. and he did it to Jeff Quinn. He did it to Dell Alexander, and I believe he did it to Mike Mickens, according to some conversations I've had with several people. And so I think that not being there anymore, and the head coach is now someone because like look, Mike Mickens working for someone he's known his whole life is not going to make him relax more. In that, I don't have to worry about my job. It's it. He still had. If anything, it's like I want to do right by my guy. Exactly. But without the same fear of if I if my guy's going to give a play, he's going to embarrass me in front of the whole team. You know, I think I think Marcus I think Marcus Freeman is going to be able to handle those things. If if a coach isn't doing his job the correct way, 
uh, you know, he's going to be able to go out there and say, hey, we're, we're going to handle it, right? There, there needs exactly. to be accountability with coaches. It doesn't always have to be let me embarrass you in front of your players. Let me scream at you on the sideline during the game. It seemed like every game I would say something to you, like, did you see Kelly going off on Mickens again? Like every time they'd give up a play, and it wasn't a ton, you know, Kelly's over there screaming at him. Right. Like, man, you know, it's like I just, it wasn't a healthy environment. So yeah. I think that's something that I look at, Vince, and say, you know, those are things you wonder, how does that how does that impact Mike Mickens' job? But he doesn't have – we don't have that to blame anymore is my is kind of the, the long answer to this. We can't blame Brian Kelly in creating a toxic environment anymore. All the pieces are in place for Coach Mickens. You know, you've got now two years' worth of your recruiting classes on campus. You've now worked with – you're going into year three with these players, right? You've now had two full springs after this spring. This, so you can't use, well, they lost development time because of COVID two years ago now, right? Like once right. this spring's over with, the, all the excuses that you could use are gone. Not that Coach Mickens would ever you make it. He's I, Right. I, you know, know him a little bit, you know, but in, in those two years, I've never heard him in a public event, in a private conversation, ever make an excuse for anything, ever. So I'm not saying he's going to make them. We're saying there's things right. we understand. and But what we're saying from our standpoint is there are no more excuses. And that's got to go out and get it done. And, that's I, the key. and I think he's capable of it. I, I think that's the key because everything that you mentioned about some injuries and, and, and about some, you know, some COVID and all of that different stuff, those are all valid. And, and those are all valid. And I don't want to use the word excuses, but they're valid reasons why certain things maybe didn't happen the way I wanted them to happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and, and your, your explanation of his potential relationship with Brian Kelly also plays into that. So those are all kind of explained away up to this point. Now those aren't, those aren't there, right? Those, mm -hmm. those, those things aren't there anymore. And so this is why it's such a big year for coach Mickens and his group. Right. Mm -hmm. Because those 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 reasons aren't there anymore. The head coach isn't there anymore. You know, hopefully there's not going to be injuries and things of that nature. So he can take this group. He can mold this group. He can get them ready to play at a very high level because they're going to argue he'll be going up against pretty darn good wide receiving mm -hmm. core. You know, in game we one. think. Right. In game yeah. one. Yeah. Well, oh, in game one. Game one. Yeah. I'm talking yes. about game one. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, no question. <laughs> so that's he's gonna have it. He's gonna have a really early test, right? And and we're gonna see what this depth is like. And if a guy isn't cutting it, is there gonna be somebody that can go in and, and step in and step up? So mm -hmm. uh, again, we're not gonna see everything this spring. Obviously, mm -hmm. we've said that about every position group that we've talked about up to this point. But we're gonna get a really good idea, I think, moving forward. I think one of the interesting things about about the practice schedule like look ideally we want to be at more we can't Absolutely. be it is what it is right right but sometimes when you when you go periods you you can it's kind of like when you don't see a relative right your your brother has a kid right and you see him at two you see him at four you see him at six you're like you you know the the growth is noticeable for you as opposed to someone who sees him every day right, right. absolutely and wow you've grown a couple inches and I think that's kind of something that we could see is, is, you know, you're going to have a better, we're going to have a better sense of being able to see practice one and then see practice, you know, 12. And we'll be able to kind of see like, Oh, okay. You know, like I see this, I see that. And yeah, you know, and yeah. that's the kind of thing is like, you start looking for, okay, what am I looking for in this first practice? And then, you know, kind of where do we go from there and, and all those type of things. So th those are the things we'll be able to evaluate. But again, just like the offensive line spring is just a step in the process.
Yeah. You're not going to be finished. If, if guys are finished products made in the spring, that's a, that's actually a bad thing. Cause if you're not going to, if you can't get any better, that's a problem. Right. You know? And so that's something that we're going to, we're going to find out. Absolutely. We're going to find out. So you mentioned earlier that Cam Hart is going to be limited this spring. Uh, let's get into a little bit of that and and what mm-hmm. that means for the rest of the depth chart as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a great opportunity for. We talk a lot about Ryan Barnes, right? Like Cam Hart, that's your guy. We love Cam Hart. We think he's. A, I mean, did some great things last year. If he's willing to work on his game, which there's no, I don't, I've never heard any reason. I've never heard anyone say he's not. Right. right. He's got a chance to really be just a special player last next year. But him not him being a bit limited, I don't know if he's going to be completely out. I don't know the answer to that, but I know he's at least going to be limited, especially in contact stuff so like team and seven on seven and stuff like that. Uh, we do believe he'll be limited and at least limited. And so what that does is that opens up opportunities for other guys, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and and Philip Riley opens up a chance for him to make to get more playing time. It, gets, it opens up more playing time for like Ryan Barnes. A lot of these guys are going to get more playing time, and so. You know, right now Ryan Barnes is a guy that that we hope is going to get one of those chances, and I, and I'm I'm very curious to find out too is, are they going to try playing Clarence Lewis on both sides just to try to get Ryan Barnes some more work since it, you know when Cam Hart's not in there because right now right. Cam Hart's the field guy, Clarence Lewis is going to be the boundary guy, and then Ryan Barnes is going to be behind Clarence Lewis in the boundary, pushing him. So are there going to be opportunities or times when they say, hey, let's move Clarence Lewis back over to field? and give Ryan a chance in the boundary or, you know, vice versa, because I don't really care where he plays. It's going to get opportunities to get out there and play. Exactly. That's going to be the big thing. Yeah. Whether that's field boundary slot, whatever, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that I want to see. So that the, in some, it's like, look, you want to have your guys out there. You, you always prefer to have your play, your, your, all your guys out there. Of course. But you can also look at it. It's like, okay, I don't have this guy. So this opens up an opportunity for me to see more of this guy and this guy and this guy. So when we talk about the younger players and we talk about Cam Hart being out, like, look, Philip Riley, you're going to get a ton of reps, you know, Jaden Mickey, you're going to get a ton of reps. So it does present an opportunity for those younger guys. And we'll talk about each one kind of more individually, but that is the thing where, you know, Cam's not going to get as much of a chance. We don't think to, to kind of continue to grow his game on the field. That'll come more summer and fall. But the, the flip side is, is, is you now get a chance to uh, go out there and, um, and get those younger guys reps. I'm sorry. I have to pull this up. So, this handle is what? phenomenal. What? I made the comment in the show recently that I had, when I was a kid, I had a crush on Christy Brinkley, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> this is phenomenal. The The handle for those that listen on the wow. podcast, not the live show, is the guy's handle is Billy Joel Landed Driscoll's Girl. <laughs> that is so awesome. Wow. Uh, but he said, could BK's issues with Mickens be because he was a Freeman guy and BK resented Freeman's popularity with the team? 100%. I was going to say. I actually believe hey. that's true. I think yeah. you nailed it, to be honest with you. 100%. The ego. So, is this person so right big. here is two for two. Phenomenal <laughs> handle, right? <laughs> and then two, great question or great, yeah. co- great observation, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I, I think, I do think there's something to that because BK got super petty last year. Oh, my like, God. Super petty. I mean, for a head coach to basically check out halfway through the season, which he did, says everything you know about him as a person. Yeah, because screw my players, screw my coaches. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what's right by me. And just it, it it sums up 
Brian Kelly to a T. But yeah, I believe there's something to that. I believe that there's, and I think that's partly why Brian Kelly, partly why Brian Kelly wanted out. Part of it was, um, yeah, we understand that, right? I just wanted and to address that. An issue. There wasn't an issue the exactly. year before. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It, the issue became when Marcus Freeman got here and they were close. They had, because like before it was like, oh, Brian Kelly hired one of his players, his former players. Well, then it right. became, oh, Mike Mickens is Marcus Freeman's friend from high school and they're former Cincinnati guys. And, you know, and then seeing all the love that the Cincinnati players gave to them after the game and all those other kind of things. I, I don't think Brian Kelly expected Marcus Freeman to get, and we kind of warned about this last year when people were talking about, you know, remember before the season when people were talking about, you know, Marcus Freeman being the coach and waiting, we were like, I wouldn't be talking about that too much. I don't know how that's going to be received. Yeah, on top right. of the fact we need to see the guy coach a game on defense first. Yeah, you know. But 100%, I think I think there's something to that. And But, again, that's gone now. So now it's like, hey, Coach Mickens, just go coach, baby. Like, you don't got to worry about all that other nonsense and childishness and all that other kind of right. stuff. That toxicity is going to be gone now. And now it's about, hey, guys, you got everything you wanted. You got everything you wanted. Now it's time to say, okay, excuses are gone. Go coach, go develop, go win. And and that's the thing is like we've said this before. We're not lowering the bar because we may like Marcus Freeman or we may like Mike Mickens or whoever else. The standard is still the standard. And Marcus Freeman hasn't backed down from that. He hasn't said, hey, guys, look, it's a new year, right? We're losing some guys, right? We're, you know, give us some time. Marcus Freeman hasn't asked for that. Nope. He, if, quite opposite. He said, look, there's a standard here of excellence and championships and 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 everything he's done, he's embraced. Sean Davis has talked about this a lot. Uh, and I don't know if he's talked about this on his podcast or not, but he and I have talked about this and we've talked about it on the show. We have been surprised at how often Notre Dame players in interviews talk about championships, championship, 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 especially on defense, especially on defense. Where's that coming from? Do you think they just had a, a group meeting of players? Right. No, that's be, that's coming from the guy at the top. Right. Right. And and the defensive players are especially more buying into it because the defensive players are going to naturally have a, a, a more of affinity for Marcus Freeman than the offensive players. Because, yeah, of course, he 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 shouldn't. I mean, he went up and shook every guy's hand before practice. That was cool and everything. But he's not sitting down with the offensive lineman last year talking with him. He should have done that. That's not his role. He's a defensive coordinator. Right. You know, so so it's going to take some time for the offensive players to kind of adapt that as well. But that's also kind of why you're, you know, we're excited to see some of the energy we saw from Tommy Reese in his press conference and and hearing a lot of the positive vibes coming out from the offense about how there's a growing confidence on the offensive side of the ball that again starts at the top. Because now Tommy Reese is 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 his the, the handcuffs have been broken, right? Mike Mickens, the handcuffs have been broken. Right. That's the whole point with this whole thing is there's no more excuses, guys, right? There's no more excuses. It's time to go out and develop and, and go coach and have fun and be energetic and do what you got to do because uh it's needed. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, you know, you've got all these young guys the, the other thing too is, you know, Ryan Barnes, you don't have to teach him how to go through drills anymore. You know, Philip Riley, you don't have to teach him how to go through last year in the spring. It was, here's how to line up. Here's right. your first step, right? Here's your second step. Here's how you use your hands. Here's where your eyes should be. All the things that Troy pride talked about last night, you know, like teaching your eyes first and the feet and the hands and all that. They need to know all the basics. Now, now it's like, okay, now it's like you went through football one one last year. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to start getting into some of these these higher level courses. That's the other thing that that you that should be different this spring as well is there's one new dude on the roster right now at corner, and he's one of the more advanced corners Notre Dame has signed in ten years. Jade Mickey. I mean, Jade Mickey's just going to show up knowing how to play. 
and he's going to have supreme confidence. Yeah, as we talked about in that intel piece, like <laughs> he is the he is the he's like Kavari Russell reincarnated as a player, just nonstop. And I love that in the corner, like just oh, he's going to be in corner, your ear, just yapping, yeah. just mm-hmm. nonstop, and you're just because the receivers are soft, man. Like they, yeah, I, yeah, and I yeah. was a receiver, so yeah, you know, but he's going to he's going to be in their ear, and, and yeah, and, I hey, love if you too. want him to shut up, then go beat him. And then right. you beat him, and you think he's going to shut up, and he's like, "Nope, it's not shutting up." Exactly, he's just making him talk more. But it, 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 I love that kid. But the point is, he's not going to show up. Like, I don't know how to play. I, I, you know, I miss my. He played in one of the best leagues in high school football in the entire country, yeah. and he, he was a dude in that league, and he's advanced and he's physical and all those kind of things. So, again, last year it was a very young position group. You had Cam Hart who. Had rarely played any corner. Clarence just finished up his freshman year. Barnes was an early enrollee. Mickey was an early enrollee. I mean, not Mickey. Uh, uh, Riley was an early enrollee. You didn't have Chance on campus yet. You didn't have JoJo on campus yet. It's a really young group. It was. And and that's not an excuse. It, we're, set, we're framing what the spring is going to look like. So last right. spring, it's very much a, hey, it's, 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 the, it's the basics, guys. Here's how you line up. Here's this call. Here's that call. Right. You're installing a brand new defense. You know, Marcus Freeman was bringing all types of new coverage changes and things like that. And, and now it's like, hey, we know the defense. We know where to line up. Everybody's been here before. And now because you have so many older guys that have been through it, now you don't have to, you know, with, with the one freshman, even if he didn't wasn't advanced, he can now lean on veterans more. Because here's one of the right. things that you have to understand when you have a system change is there's no veterans that the younger players can lean on. Hey, this is new for me too, buddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, I'm not I'm not used to this. And it was Mike Mickens first full spring cuz remember they had his first year they had one spring and it was gone. So now that foundation has been laid. Now it's up to coach Mickens to say, "Hey, let's take this thing to another level." But now now Clarence is a veteran. So Jaden Mickey can go pick his ear a little bit. Right. You know, "Hey, Clarence, what you know, what, what do I do with this?" Last year you couldn't really do that. Right. You know, now Treat Bracey's been in the system a couple of years. Now Cam Hart's a more veteran player. And I think those things also matter that we don't we don't talk enough about. Those things matter. When you have a coach that now we all know what Coach Mickens wants. We all know the expectation, right? And we can all hold each other accountable exactly. to that. Because that's the thing is great units, co- they coach each other as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't override the coach, but like when the coach is over here talking to so-and-so, veterans, you'll see it all the time in practice events. We used to see this all the time with Harry Heastands guys. Coach Heastands over here talking to this guy and Robert Hainsey or Quentin Nelson or Alex Bars is over there in the ear of some other young guy saying, hey, look, this is what you need to do because they've set that standard. And that's something exactly. that Coach Heastands would embrace. That's, that's, that's what I work on with my kids in high school. Right. It's like, right. hey, Seniors, you've been around. Like, right. if I'm over here, you see a freshman doing something wrong, coach him up. You know right. what I mean? And that, and it take, and it also takes time for that to develop. I will say that mm-hmm. it, it, that takes time. But Coach Mickens has been there for two years, right? Mm-hmm. So that time is now. Like, the, you should be right. able to see that more often. And now that you, you're right, now that these guys are veterans, they can do that some more, and they're going to have more right. confidence because that takes exactly that takes confidence as a leader to be able to right. do that. And I and I think right. that that is an understated uh, point of leadership. It takes confidence to be a leader, right. you know, whether you're one of these or you're and, a leader by whatever. And not even just confidence in yourself, Vince, confidence in the system. I got to know what coach and in your right. system. I can't all teach you something that I don't know. Exactly. You know? And absolutely. That's, that's, that's why you, that's where experience can matter. That's where experience right. that can have a big impact, not just on your knowledge, but your ability to kind of the whole route. Cause see, here's the thing. Now, this is why it matters. 
if you're learning a new system and we're working on seven on seven together, or we're sitting there doing a film session together, because you know we're only allowed to be with the coach for so long, it's like, what am I supposed to do here? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. But when now Clarence Lewis can look at the film and be like, man, like you can coach yourself. You can look at my my, my right foot needs need. You know, I, I stepped too far with my right foot, which caused me to lunge, which called that guy to dismiss me, and he smokes me. Right? Like he can now look at that and and coach himself up and say, man, this is where I screwed up. Or right. you know what? I was supposed to be inside leverage on that guy and I was outside leverage and that's why I got beat. Right. That's why he, he was able to beat me. So he's on a poster. I lined up wrong. Whereas before it's like, wait a minute, hold on. I, I thought I was supposed to be outside on this one. No, I'm supposed to be inside right. on this one. Like they can coach themselves up. They can now go do drills together. Cause they know what the expectations are. They know what the standard is. Yeah. Those, those are reasons where having some experience helps you to, to where, and it, it doesn't have to be like a fifth year senior. It just someone who's been in the system that knows the standard. And I think that's going to benefit Coach Mickens as well because he he doesn't always have to be – he's not the only voice in the room now that that that, that can have an impact. He knows what's going they on. Can now hold yeah. each, right. They can now hold each other accountable more because they now know the standard. And so right. that should help more. So, again, all these things are playing right into Coach Mickens' hands to where, hey, man, it's time to get it going. And I, I, have, I have a lot of confidence in Mike Mickens as a coach. I think that sometimes we focus on the things he hasn't done great and not giving him enough credit for the things he's done really well. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, so, but now it's like, okay, but now you really got to raise everybody to another level. Right. And I'm excited to see it. Cause I, cause like I said, I have a lot of confidence in him as a coach. Now it's, I hope that he goes out and, and really makes it obvious why there, I have that confidence and, and that the confidence is, was rightly placed. So, but cause I, cause I do think there's good players. Are there elite players? Is this an elite room? No. Is this a, a room that you say, boy, this is one of the five to eight best cornerback rooms in the country? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's there yet. I think there's, there's still work to be done. But it's a, it's a room that should be a lot better than it's been, right? And that's the key. They should be able. And it to doesn't compete. have to be elite, right. right? It doesn't have to be an elite room. It just has to be good enough to where when the defensive line and the linebackers and everybody else does their job, that you can go out there. Because I think the D line room can be a top ten room. I think the linebacker room can be a top 10 room. I think the safety room can be a top 10 room in time. There's a lot of work to get done with all those groups. Of course. But they all have the chance to be there, which then takes some of that burden off of the corners. Yeah. But they, the thing is, whether they're a top 10 room or a top 20 room, they have to be the best version of themselves. And that's the task for Coach Mickens this spring. So you just got done talking about veteran leadership and how that's going mm -hmm. to help Coach Mickens. Let's talk about some of those veterans, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you've got Clarence Lewis, you've got Tariq Bracey. Both of those guys are going to be, you know, full go in the spring. And both of those guys, we need to see that next step, right? I mean, we, yeah. we need to see across the board when we're talking about anybody going into spring, we need to see that next step. But before we were talking about Clarence or about guys needing to, um, you know, fix their confidence, for example, or or whatever the case may be. Well, that seems to be in order. Okay, well, now it's time to fix the play. Not fix, but mm -hmm. take the play to another level. Right. I think we'll let's start with the oldest. Let's go Tariq Bracey. Okay. I don't know if he's ever going to kind of take that final step where his talent becomes like – I just don't think he's a necessarily a natural football player. I think he's always going to be more of an athlete than a, than a natural football player. So, but I think the thing that you need to work with him on is like, just, you got to eliminate the mistakes, right? Like uh, try to eliminate the technical mistakes and things like that, because there were times last year where Tariq was really good in the slot. 
And that I just think that's what he's going to be. He's going to be a slot guy that that works in inside and outside. And at times last year, he was a really good player because he he didn't just play the slot last year. I mean, he he was part of a three man rotation that he would replace Clarence Lewis at times. He would replace Cam Hart at times, and yep. and he did a good job, right? And so he he's slowly starting to get his confidence back. I think that's not that was the task last year. That's back. Now it's just about like the little things. That's that's what Tariq is missing. The little things that would kind of get him beat, like. You know, look, you can't – you're 5'10". You can't play a, a post route from behind. You have to play it from the front or from underneath. Or You know, there's those little things that, that he's going to have to learn as a player that should help him help him improve. And then it's just about, like, eliminating some of those those little things that that would kind of get him – get result in those big plays happening. Yeah, Absolutely. Because he was solid last year. I mean, Tariq was solid last year. He 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 had a good year, not a great year, a good year. If he can eliminate some of those little things that ha- that result in some of those occasional, you know, giving up that big play, he he's a good he's going to be a good player for Notre Dame, and you know that's going to be the key for him this spring. For he, Clarence he, Lewis, go ahead, Ben. Sorry, I was just going to say Tariq needs to find just find his niche. I almost feel like I just. <sighs> I, I don't know. I, I just feel like he he may not ever be the starter, uh, but if he can find his niche as maybe just the, the 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 guy who comes in for rest or the guy who gets a series here and there or whatever, but if he can just carve out that role, I think he can be a huge asset to this mm-hmm. team. I think that's yeah. the key for me is that we talked about it in one of the other shows about kind of knowing where your expect like having realistic expectations if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I feel mm-hmm. like for Tariq, I think a realistic expectation is that he can carve out a niche, be, you know, find a role and carve out that niche. Like, I feel like right. that should be his expectation. And if he can do that and he puts everything he has into it and maybe also being a really good special teams player at the same time, he can really benefit this team. And right. I, I think that's going to be, I think expectation setting levels is going to be really important for right. Tariq to me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So areas that I want to see improvement from him, obviously playing the deep ball better, but I also want to see him learning to to be more reactive to quick stuff. Like that's the thing is with his speed, he should be breaking on short stuff better. Like those are the things I want to see is like, see it better, react to it better. A guy like him shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't be given up 60% completions on the, over the course of a year. He shouldn't. And that's where he was. And, and that's an area where he's going to have to improve. And, and I'm going to say the same thing, Vince, about Clarence Lewis. You know, so when, when I look at Clarence Lewis, you know, Clarence is a guy that does some nice things. He's a tough kid. You know, he's still had sophomore strength, which means, you know, he's got to get stronger there. Sure. You know, but he's a guy that, that, that to me, when you watch him play, part of it is him getting better. The other part of it is they have to learn to use him better. And I think kind of moving him from field to boundary last year kind of jacked that up a little bit. If they're going to leave him in the boundary, then they have to say, hey, look, we like Clarence. These are the things Clarence does well. 
right? He He's good at things in front of him. He can keep things in front of him. He's a good tackler. He's a, he reminds me a lot of like Nick Watkins. Yeah. You know, when, when he was I in Notre that. Dame where, you know, but they were asking him to like line up and play press and coverage and run with people like they did, like they did with Nick McLeod. Well, Nick McLeod went out and ran a four, three something, right? Like, so, and, and he would still get beat deep. I guarantee you Clarence Lewis isn't running in the four threes. Right. And, and he also doesn't play the ball well on those vertical routes the way that he does. So you've got to be willing to adjust your coverages in a way to say, Hey, look, we like to play a lot more man, but we just can't play a ton of man in the boundary. And if we are, we're going to play two man, which allows us to be aggressive up front with our, with our corners and our nickel, but we're going to protect them over the top with safeties. Yeah. Now that can only happen if the linebacking core gets better because that puts a lot of pressure on the linebackers man to man. because yeah. well, not just man to man, but in the run game, because oh, sure. the safeties aren't coming down in a robber, they're, right? They're staying back. Yeah, right. And so your corners got to be really good in tackling when you get run on. And then your, your linebackers have to be real disciplined and real effective. So I don't know how much we're going to see that that's not really been Marcus Freeman's MO, but the point is, you can do some combo coverages, maybe where you help out. You know, having Maris Lewifau, how does that impact how they sure. use how they use uh, Clarence Lewis in the boundary? Because now you have a will that's long and rangy that you can maybe jump underneath some stuff that allows Clarence to play back. You know, so that to me is the is, as much as anything, I'm curious to see how they use him this year because yeah. I think at times, you know, we fault the players, right? Well, Clarence Lewis got beat. My my contention is, but he shouldn't have been asked to play press man coverage against that guy. It's not his thing. You, yeah. you know he can't run with Alec yeah. Pierce. You you know after after a couple times of getting beat in the bowl game, it's like why do you keep putting him in that position? You know what I mean? It's like that's a coaching thing. Like if I if I have a kid that can't catch a deep ball and I keep having him run post routes, that's not on him anymore. That's on me, right? We know he can't. We know that's not a strength of his. And this is something that I loved about what Clark Lee had said a couple of years ago. And, and I haven't had a chance to ever talk about this with Coach Freeman. And I and I clearly haven't talked about it with Coach Golden because I don't know Coach Golden. <laughs> right. But Coach Freeman said something, or Coach Lee said something to me a couple of years ago, like at the very beginning of his tenure that I loved. He said, you know, we're sitting in this meeting. And he goes, and I had to stop the meeting. And I had to tell my defensive coaches, stop telling me what these kids can't do. Start talking to me about what they're good at. Let me know what they're good at. And then we can build a defense around what I they're good that. at. I love that quote. You brought yes. it up a few times. Yes. I just, I love it. It's that's coaching one on one right there. Hundred percent. So with Clarence Lewis, instead of saying Clarence can't do this, Clarence can't do that, Clarence can't do this. Let's say, okay, what is Clarence good at? Because if you can't name what he's good at, then he shouldn't be on the field. So clearly, they think he's good at something, right? And so, and and this could be one of those things where, like, look, he was good in press coverage and practice. He just was getting beat in games. Well, why was he good in press coverage and practice? Because the receivers weren't taught how to get off the line. Right. Well, now you're going to see that more. This is the whole thing is you now are going to know your own weaknesses more because they're getting exposed by your, your opposition of practice. That's a great thing because, hey, look, Clarence isn't good at this. How do you know that? Because he gets smoked by Deion Colsey every day when we ask him to play man coverage or something like that. You know what I mean? Like like Julian Love. Remember going into 2018? He was, a, he was an All-American in 2017 and had like 20-plus pass breakups, but he was mostly an off-man cover guy in 2017. Well, in 2018, they're thinking, you know, Julian's a great player. Let's have him play more press coverage. So he went out in spring, and they were having him play more press coverage and stuff, and he got beat by Miles Boykin like he was like a redheaded stepchild. I mean, he just he just got destroyed daily, like on the regular by Miles Boykin. And it was kind of like, yeah, that's not what he's – that's that's not who Julian is. So right. then the next year, they just kept saying, oh, let's play off, off coverage. 
And then they they tried to do it a little bit in the opener, you know, playing man and somebody from Michigan just ran by him for a 50 yard gain. And they're like, yeah, okay, we tried it. He's not, that's not who he is. Not and then they went it. back to letting him do what he was good at. And it's at one point in time, they kind of started flipping the field a little bit when they wanted a guy to play press man in the, in the boundary, they'd put Troy pride over there, you know? And, you know, so even though he was primarily the field guy, so that's what you need to, to get from the staff is look what, if, if you love Clarence and they love Clarence Lewis, if you love Clarence Lewis and you think he needs to be a part of what you do, then figure out what Clarence is good at and build your coverage structure around that, which is a little bit easier to the boundary. Yeah. You know, cause so, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm curious to see. It's, it's not even so much about Clarence and now are there things Clarence got to get better? Yeah. He's got to improve his footwork. Yeah. His transition technique stinks. It, it just does. It's so erratic. And, and there's times where it's just like, he can't run with that guy. But when he can't run with that guy is combined with that transition technique was awful. You're going to get torched. Right. And that's the area where Clarence, th- those are areas where Clarence can continue to improve because he's still a young guy. He was still, again, Clarence is, this is only going to be Clarence Lewis's second spring. That's it. So we should start to see some jumps from him. And it's about the consistency. And I think the big thing for Tariq and Clarence both, the big thing for me is they have both got to be, to create more incompletions. Yeah. And if you look at the pro football focus numbers last year, it, it is a really problematic gap. So Cam Hart on the year, right? Again, this is kind of where you want to be. Opponents completed 48.5% of their throws on Cam Hart. And, and that includes him giving up five of six against uh, against um, Toledo on short stuff. But less than 50% of their passes. Oklahoma State, for example, in the bowl game went one of five against him. Right? That's kind of where you want to be. Virginia Tech went one of five. Cincinnati went 0 of 4. Wisconsin went 0 of 7. And so those are the kind of those are the areas you want to be. He never gave up more than 64 yards receiving in a game. And that was against Purdue. And half of that came on one completion. If you remember, David Bell outplayed him for that one seam route for a big play. And, and so he was at 48.5% completion percentage allowed. Uh, Tariq Bracey was at 61.7. And Clarence Lewis is at 64.3. That is not a good number. Not good enough. Yeah. Not a good number. And Clarence Lewis three times allowed, gave up over 100 yards receiving in a game. And you you just can't be there. And that was Cincinnati, USC, and Oklahoma State. You, you just can't be there. And so they've got to they've be more disruptive. Now, maybe that's being more aggressive and then using your safety to protect. Maybe that's you know, using your underneath guys to, to rob some of that stuff and letting them drive on the curls and the ends and the digs. There's all type of different things you can do schematically. You got to figure out what you want to be and what those guys are good at. But however it happens, they have to start creating more incompletions because you can't, you can't have two of your three top corners giving up over 60% completion rate. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Can't be a great defense with that. No, that's going to be a key. Absolutely agree. So let, let's talk about some of the younger guys. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you've got Riley and Tucker. So we didn't see a lot of them last year, obviously. And <laughs> these guys can play. I, I feel like the little bit that I got to see in practice, I think these guys can play. I like watching yeah. them play. They've got the physical tools to play, but can they make a push to get on right. the field? That's going to be the big yeah. thing. We didn't talk a lot about Ryan Barnes. I don't want to throw him in with this group as well because he's going to get a chance. We mentioned that he's going to be in competition. We mentioned but Yeah, right. <clears throat> I think they can all play to different levels. I think with Ryan Barnes, it's the length. You know, he's not a burner, but he's got 
at least he's the guy two inches you look on, twice at right. when you when you see him on the field. Right. Like, oh, he's okay. got at least two inches on Clarence Lewis in height. He's got at yeah. least two to three inches on him in length. That's a, that's that's yeah. a lot. And and so he's a guy that has to he has to become more assertive as a player, right? That, that it, it's it's not on the coaches to it's not the coach's job necessarily to push Ryan Barnes to like hey we're going to give him every chance necessarily to go out there. He's got to say. Hey, I'm going to, you know, it's their job to coach him up and make him the best version of himself. But it's then up to Ryan to say, Hey, look, I got to go out there. I got to have some dog in me, right? I've got to have that mentality of, I'm going to go out there. You're not going to complete a pass on me. I'm going to make this play. I'm going to make that play. And I'm going to force myself onto the field. I'm going to make you play me. That's what, that's what you want to be as a coach. And, and that's where you want your players to, the mentality you want your players to have. Ryan's got to have that. I mean, he, look, he is sitting right behind Clarence Lewis. And and they've all been told, from my understanding, like, look, the, everyone's everyone's in a battle. I mean, you got a new D coordinator. Every, everyone's in this battle. You gotta you gotta go out there and compete. There are yeah. no guarantees. There are no oh well, you're a returning starter, so you're gonna you're gonna still be the starter. Every, everybody's got a battle, so you've got to go out there, Ryan Barnes, and prove that you belong on the field. That Absolutely. means making more plays. You know, using your strengths and, and and making more plays. He's a guy, and I, I I talked to some sources about this. This was one of the things that was in my intel piece. I said, of all the young guys, who right now is the best position to go out there and force her on the field? And it was it was Ryan Barnes. Mm-hmm. And so now he's got to go prove it. You know, but now that was followed by Butt. You know, I, I'm really excited to see what this guy and this guy can do. But you know, with Philip Riley, it was about kind of changing his body around. He's going to be a field guy. They're also going to work him in the nickel because they like his. He's like a real strong kid, so he can bring you some things in the nickel. Uh, that he's gonna he's gonna work there, and then the problem with Chance Tucker is the staff was really high on Chance in fall camp, but he just kept getting hurt. Yeah, you know, so he he's got to stay healthy. But the from what I'm told, he's one of the faster corners they have. And the thing I loved about Chance in high school, because you remember when he signed, remember what I said? Like I had him ranked real low in the class. And if you remember, Crick, I said I have a feeling this kid's gonna like make me look really stupid. <laughs> like, cause I, I just, there was just some about him. I was like, I don't know what it is. Like, he, you know, right. he, I don't, I don't see the speed that they, like they talk, he had like great track times. I just, I never saw that. But part of me was like, is he so fast that he just was like, his ball skills were great. His, his instincts were great. I just didn't see a real big kid. I see, I didn't see an elite athlete. There was just something about right. Like, so my grades, like, so when I'm doing the grades, I got my eight categories. Like I'm not giving them great grades, but I'm like, this kid's film is better than my grades. You know what I mean? Like there's just something about this kid where it's like, I have a feeling this kid's going to make me look stupid. The last kid that I felt that about was Kyron Williams. Like I had him as ranked as one of the lowest kids in that class. And I was like, this, this, the way this kid plays, he's probably going to make me look stupid. Well, Kyron made me look stupid and I'm happy about that. You know, what I don't want is when I rank guys like the number one guy in the class and he sucks, you know, like, but those are good. And, and, and I have a feeling Chance is is one of those guys, but he's got to stay healthy. That's the thing is he can't fall behind when you when you got Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey showing up. You can't keep missing practice. Not that he's like doing it on purpose. I mean, just he had right. some unfortunate injuries last year. Right. But if Chance can stay healthy, that's a guy that I have my eye on because what I've been told about him is he's super long and he can fly. Is what I've been told, and we we saw the instincts on film. That's the one thing we knew is this kid knows how to play the ball. Right uh, now, if he can run like they say he can run. And if he can stay healthy and, and add the, add more strength, because he's a real skinny kid, he's going to have to get stronger. There's He's a guy that I kind of have my eye on. He's probably the most intriguing player to me this spring because he's the biggest unknown because he, he, he just didn't play. 
So that's a guy that, that Vince is going to be on my, hey, Vince, when you're at practice, this is one eighteen is one of the kids I want you to keep your eye on. Right. Uh, because I have a feeling he's going to, he's going to, you know, like his dad maybe say, Hey, like, uh, remember when you had chance ranked down here, you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, dad, like that. Come yeah. on now. No, he's, I, I say I'm that joking. I, I know I'm saying from my point of view, yeah, he's I'm, a really I'm, good dude. Uh, I'm saying really from my family. point of view, right. if I was dad, I'd be like, Hey, yeah. remember? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. right. That's what I, I don't he, know. He comes from, he comes from good stock. He's, he's got really good. His mom and dad are really cool people. Uh, but uh, you know, so it's all, it's all in good fun, but of, of I, course. that's kind of what you, you hope for. You, you always want to hope that somebody that maybe you're not expecting breaks out, but those three Absolutely. guys are going to get a chance. And then of course, Jaden Mickey, you know, I mean, like, him, yeah. you could literally beat him on six straight plays and he's just going to think he's gonna be like, oh, I don't care. I'm, you're not going to beat me the next time. But isn't that he what just you need those a corner? You just have a short memory and, uh, yeah, and, that, and a battler. You know and... So we had Troy Pride on the show last night. Right. And I yeah. asked him, like, what are the mental traits you need to be a great corner? And that's the first thing because you, you've got to have a short memory. Like, yeah. you, you just – you can't let those things – But now, now, short memory doesn't mean you don't – look, why did I get beat? Okay, my right. footwork was wrong. I wasn't like – you know, but you can't let it bother you. You need right. to know why you screwed up or know why you got beat and fix it, but you it just can't bother you. You just move on to the next play. I mean, frankly, that's, that's important at every position. Easier every said sport, than done, but it's very yeah. much easier said than done. Easier said than done all the time with kids. Because normally, when fans who because most fans only watch on TV and they only see a guy when he gets caught, you know, like right. Troy was talking about. Not we would have these debates on our show or on our message board. Like, I didn't even see Troy. He, Troy Pride's not that good. I he he was barely even noticeable last game. Like you do realize that's a compliment, right? A like you do realize compliment. when you don't notice a corner, that's a good thing. Yeah, right. You know, but you only really see him when he's when he's giving up a catch. Really, you know, you don't see when the whole game when they're avoiding him. You know, so it, it, it there's a lot of pressure in that position. You're on an island, and you have to have that ability to just say, oh, "I don't care." I you know bounce back. And right. I think Jaden is that guy. He's physical, and one of the things we've heard from multiple sources is. He's tested better than they thought he was going to test, and in the like the the forty and the agilities and the jumps and all that, he's been more explosive athletically than they thought he was going to be. So that's all. That's always the kind of the oh, this you, you don't ever want to be like this kid's not as good as we thought he was going to be. You always want to be like, boy, we liked this kid, but he's even better than we thought. Like Josh Burnham's that way, uh, Nolan Ziegler's that way. Uh, where you know, I asked, I was talking to a source the other day about Josh, and he's like, he's huge. He's like six four. He's like a monster. And I said, is he is he going to outgrow Mike? I said, they said he may outgrow it physically, but he still runs like a linebacker, and that's that's the thing that they're excited about. Nolan Ziegler, like he, Nolan Ziegler during sprints doesn't run with like usually it's like receivers and corners and safeties run together, then like linebackers and running backs run together and quarterbacks, and then like the linemen run together. Yeah. He's been running with the DBs in in sprints. He doesn't run with the linebackers. Nolan Ziegler runs with the DBs. So those are the things you always want to do. And then another guy that I've heard. Jaren Price has been super explosive, but the other guy's been Jaden Mickey. That the people are, I mean, they love them, but they're even even the staff that loved them is like, uh, this guy's faster than we thought, and he's another one of the players that did not have an offer when Marcus Freeman showed up. Just kind of back in that point, Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey, Jalen Snead, Junior Chalamaka were all guys that Notre Dame signed that did not have offers when Marcus yeah. Freeman showed up. Hmm. The whole, uh, the whole. Um, Oh, well, we have to shop down a different aisle. Maybe you were picking the wrong aisle. Yeah. <laughs> just, just saying. So, Love that. Uh, so, yeah. So, again, Vince, so what are we looking for this spring, right? Clarence Lewis has got to race his game, right? He's got to be more disruptive. Mm-hmm. How are they going to use him this spring? Do we see coverage structure change based on him? Tariq Bracey's got to be more consistent. Ryan Barnes has to be more assertive. 
right? More aggressive. Philip Riley's got to find a niche. Chance Tucker's got to stay healthy and continue adding strength. And then Jaden Mickey's got to come out and say, hey, look, man, like make life real uncomfortable for the I'm guys. I'm here, boys. Yeah, I'm here, boys. Right. Like, yeah, you better absolutely. not take today off if you take today yeah. off. And that's that's him and the whole sophomore class. They need to be like, hey, fellas, you may you may want to rethink, you know, missing class or missing right. practice today. You know, it, a sprained ankle may not be that bad. You may not want to do that. I, you know, it, you just, you, hey, you may not want to, hey, I know you're worried about your girlfriend, but you better lock in today because I'm coming for you. You know what I mean? And because, like, these are kids, right? I mean, they worry about this professor was – Gave me a lot of work. I got this girlfriend problem. My mom's sick back home. And heck, I'm 43 and I was worried about that when my mom was sick. You know right, what I mean? Absolutely. And so what's an 18, 19 year going to be like? But hey, look, hey, we're out here. You better focus up, man, because I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. I think that makes you a better football team when you have that kind of depth. And that's the kind of comp. So Marcus, you're talking about competition. It's not just offense versus defense. The, the, the ideal competition also happens within a room. And it's it's a it's a it's not an, an adversarial thing. Right. It's got to be a I'm pushing you thing. And that's what I that's what I hope it is because if it gets there, then I think this, that that alone is going to raise the play of the cornerback room. Because if Clarence Lewis is starting, you know he had to beat out some guys that, that had really good springs and falls, and that's where you can feel co- more comfortable with where you are as a fo- as a football team. And so you know that's what we're looking for this spring. Just Absolutely. overall, in, it, more confidence in the system, making more plays, and you know really start to see that depth chart shake itself out. That's where we want to be when we look at this room and say, Hey, you know, this, this, this is how we'll know that the cornerback room is getting, getting better and getting to the level where you feel like if they can continue down this path in the fall, they're going to have a chance to play the level Notre Dame needs to, to really raise that, that level of play. Anything to add Vince before we, no, uh... I, I think he nailed it. I I'm, I'm really, like I said, there, I think I have more question marks about this group, but it's not necessarily in a negative way. There, there's there's going to be a lot of fun watching these guys because I, I do have a lot of confidence not only in Coach Mickens, but in the talent that is in this room. And I think they are going to push each other, and I think they are going to make each other better, which is why I'm excited about it. So I, I'm, I, I'm looking forward to it for sure. And tomorrow we get our first glimpse. Yes, and sir. It's gonna. We'll have a show about it. But guys, they're not wearing pads. Guys and gals are not wearing that, pads. Yeah, right. If they so, don't look, if a guy doesn't look good tomorrow without pads on, he should not be on scholarship at Notre Dame. Okay, so I'm just gonna tell you right now. Everybody's gonna look athletic. They're gonna look good. They're gonna. Look, it's just, you know, it's, it's yeah. What? It's just, yeah, just, I'm exactly. just preparing you for it. So right, um, right. They're gonna look like a million bucks tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> and it's it's it's. Let's find out on the 25th when Ryan and Sean are in town and we're having a full practice. There's going to be some scrimmages and the pads are on and pads are popping in it. Right. Then we'll find out who's really ready to step up this spring. So, yeah. And we'll exactly. have the whole IB team. Well, except for me, we'll have the rest of the whole IB team at that one open practice, which I'm very excited about. So um, anyway, so uh, that's going to be it for the corner preview, but stick around. Cause we are not done just yet. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you.